trust your gut. I have some friends buying a house and some others both selling and buying. One of those friends said to me after putting an offer in, I don't really feel good about it. I think maybe we should back out. Anytime somebody says, I don't really feel good about it, I have so much to say. I almost don't know where to start. So let's begin with my house, how I felt when I looked at it, how I felt offering asking price, how I felt moving in, and how I felt living in it for 16 years. It's all related to my gut and how it feels. One year after my divorce, my grandpa died and I considered selling my house to buy his, but it was my gut that told me to stay put. It was my gut that told me to get the job at that time that I'm now still in, and it was that job that brought me my favorite people in my life. In fact, to say, trust your gut, is the most simplified way to know what your life should be, how you find your path how you get introduced to your joy, how your dreams and loves and happinesses become yours. So at my age, my experiences from listening to my gut and not listening to my gut, well, I mostly don't go against it now. Sure, I sometimes argue with it. I don't always want to believe what it's telling me, but I feel like I'm always admitting it's right or it was right. I think of the religion I was raised in and how they pull everything from the inside of you to the outside, being a separate entity communicating to you. Like none of these feelings and thoughts and knowledge live inside you. They're all deities and entities that tell you what's right, what's good, what the path is, and who you must be. I don't subscribe to that. In fact, my gut tells me it's lies. The knowledge and knowing about what you, an individual, needs is inside the individual. Maybe I sound like I'm struggling to find a way to explain. So I have a correlation. I want to tell you about morphogenetic fields. And I want to correlate with what I call a gut feeling to the presence of morphogenetic fields and the habit field. In short, biological structures, like a human, pattern themselves after invisible organizing fields. To fully explain that sentence, I want to read to you from an incredibly cool book by Donna Eden. It's called Energy Medicine. I won't read the whole chapter on the habit field, but I will give you plenty to understand what I'm trying to explain. I'll be reading starting on page 337. The energy systems we've been exploring are the nine highways to better health. Underlying all of them, however, is a single organizing field that regulates your energies, your physiology, and much of your behavior. This chapter shows you how to focus your efforts so that you can cut to the energetic quick and adjust this field directly. I refer to the organizing field as the habit field because it maintains the habits of the body, mind, and energy. The habit field is a force in nature that is as real as gravity or electromagnetic fields. A habit field surrounds and penetrates a living system, a body, an organ, a cell. It is a region of influence that carries information, organizes energy, 
and gives form to living organisms. A habit field is a highly stable energy. It is the die or cast that gives form to the other energy systems and ultimately to all biological development. Like the ocean pounding on the rocks that form its shore, the energies of the meridians, chakras, and other more fluid systems have far less impact on the habit field than it has on them. But eventually, the ocean does carve its imprint on the shore. Habit fields do evolve, impacted by the very energies they mold. In this chapter, you'll be learning ways of accelerating their evolution to benefit your health and well-being. Certain energy techniques can set your habit field like a thermostat. Suppose, for example, you have high blood pressure. What if you could alter the habit field that keeps your blood pressure elevated? If the habit field shifts, physiological conditions follow. Here's the part I wanted you to hear in context. Since the 1920s, a few biologists have been using the term morphogenetic fields to refer to the field that gives form to biological systems, and the concept has been further expanded, refined, and popularized as morphic fields by the biologist Rupert Sheldrake. Lynn McTaggart's The Field consolidates scientific evidence that we live in an ocean of microscopic vibrations that give form, motion, an invisible connection to everything in the physical world. The premise is simple. Form follows field. Biological structures pattern themselves after invisible organizing fields. An acorn carries the blueprint of the oak, not only in its genes, but also in its morphic field. But, you might think, don't its genes carry all the coding necessary to produce the towering tree? Why add another concept? Because genes engineer parts, not holes. No one has found a gene that puts all the parts together into the whole. No DNA code has been discovered that instructs an acorn to transform itself into an oak, a tadpole into a frog, or an egg into an ostrich. No one has explained how genes get a termite's head at the right end or cause a termite colony to cooperate in building a 30-foot nest. As Sheldrake notes, properties are projected onto genes that go far beyond their known chemical roles. These biologists have concluded that the embryo carries an informational field that guides it into its adult form and governs its instinctive behavior. They believe that these form-generating fields are as integral to biological development as the genes themselves. Harold Burr, a neuroanatomist at Yale in the 1940s, provided some of the earliest empirical evidence of the existence of an energy field surrounding the body. Using a conventional voltmeter, he measured the electrical field around a sprout. It closely resembled the field that would be there when the plant was fully grown. Similarly, the energy field surrounding a young salamander was shaped roughly like an adult salamander. As Burr mapped progressively earlier stages of salamander development, he was amazed to find that the electrical axis that would later be aligned with the brain and the spinal cord in the adult is present in the unfertilized egg. In another experiment using salamanders, primitive, unspecialized tissue cells from an amputated foreleg, transplanted near the tail, regrew as a tail. Transplanted near the hind leg, 
they grew into another hind leg. Reviewing these findings, the orthopedic surgeon and Nobel nominee Robert Becker concluded, it was obvious that chemical messengers were totally unable to convey this much organizational complexity. There had to be something else. Something similar to the morphogenetic field that could contain within itself the entire organizational plan. Not surprisingly, this concept is controversial, but it accounts for some uncharted mechanisms of inheritance and its implications are profound. If you could transform a deep organizing field that is detrimental to your health, you would be giving your health a significant boost. The last paragraph I'm going to read moves more into the habit field, and she says, For many years I sensed that the aura has multiple layers, like nested fields, each with its own function. The layer closest to the body is called, in various healing traditions, the etheric layer. The outermost layer is the person's life color, the only layer that's transfixed. It remains constant throughout your life and permeates all the other layers. Your life color corresponds with your purpose in this lifetime, the lessons you are meant to learn, the themes likely to dominate your experience. The fourth layer of the aura holds your habit field. So I'm just going to stop there. Now I want to read to you from the book Quantum DNA Healing by Althea S. Hawk, starting on page 26. If this part gets too long, you can forward to minute 20 and 40 seconds. Quantum Influencers of DNA Despite the intense study that has ensued regarding the human genome, it remains clear from what has been established and measurable thus far that the complexities of the human body cannot reasonably be orchestrated by our biological DNA alone. As a result, the idea that there may be non-physical off-body influences on the genome now become more plausible. The concept of fields begins to set the stage for the development of an alternative view on how our genes might actually work. It lends itself to the possibility that the information our DNA uses to instruct the body to carry out its functions may be stored at a non-local level, away from the physical location of the chromosomes in the body. A field is defined as a matrix or medium which connects two or more points in space, usually via force, such as light, gravity, or electromagnetism. The force is usually represented by ripples in the field or waves. More aptly put, it is a region of influence. A field, then, is essentially an integrated, invisible system consisting of energy or matter. In the truest sense, we know that energy is a form of information. Despite the fact that fields are generally invisible, science has proven the existence and effects of some fields because they are actually veritable or measurable. These include those that affect the human body, including electrical, magnetic, and acoustic fields. Other fields have been identified by science that are referred to as being putative, which means they cannot be seen, touched, or perceived directly, nor measured. L-fields and T-fields, which are electrical and thought fields, fall into this category. 
Many who work with the field of holistic and vibrational medicine interact with the human energy field, which is another example of a putative field. This is a field that is considered to be the medium through which external information is exchanged with the physical body through various energy planes and energy structures, chakras or pathways, meridians, that penetrate the body as a form of dense energy or matter and its immediate vicinity and regulate all body functions. The body itself also represents a field. In fact, Cindy Dale, author of Subtle Body, says that every cell in the body and every thought generates a field. Every energy body, meridian, and chakra pulses its own field. In total, the field emanating from your body alone would occupy more space, or more anti-space, than your physical self. In many ways, you are your fields. On a larger scale, Albert Einstein believed that the universe is composed of interconnected force fields. Physicists have described some of these fields, viewing them as constructs of finite reality held within a greater infinity. Because of these fields, reality is both local, or here and now, and non-local, which means that everything is interconnected. Given the concept of fields, it is apparent that the physical body is not isolated or separated from these fields, but rather an integral part of them and their influence. Cindy Dale suggests that human and personal biofields also interconnect with greater fields that work in two directions. They receive and draw energy from us and also provide energy to us because they are actually composed of fields, as is the world. We have to see ourselves as interconnected rather than self-sustaining, constantly involved in the flux of becoming something new even as we shape and reshape the world. Thus, the concept of fields and the interconnection we have with them most definitely lends itself to the idea that there is an energetic information exchange between the fields that define us and our physical bodies and those that are more external to us. These external fields contain temporally and spiritually non-local, non-physical information that conforms to the definition of something that is quantum in nature. The concept of non-locality moves us beyond the paradigm of what Irvin Laszlo refers to as local realism, which he says still dominates the modern world and science. This is the assumption that any phenomenon that we observe is deemed to be local, meaning physical effects propagate through space at a certain speed before they disappear with increasing distance. The reality assumption infers that all things that exist must have values or characteristics intrinsic to them that provide their existence, rather than them being created as a result of their relationship with one another by their observation. Non-locality, as a departure from this prevailing concept of local realism, leads us to the next step in our logical progression in identifying the ultimate source of influence on our DNA. Quantum fields. An object exists in a specific location, but a quantum field does not, since it is non-local and its components are everywhere. Therefore, a quantum field would theoretically penetrate 
the physical body at the deepest level. Its cells, organs, and organ systems, and extend beyond it. The unique properties explain how organisms at any level in nature can be affected by their interactions with each other and their external environments without being connected by some physically real medium. In the quantum world, quantum fields are not mediated by forces, but by an exchange of energy, which is constantly redistributed in a dynamic pattern. This constant exchange is an intrinsic property of particles, so that even real particles are nothing more than a little knot of energy that briefly emerges and disappears back into an underlying field. According to the quantum field theory, the individual entity is transient and insubstantial. Particles cannot be separated from the empty space around them. The notion of morphic fields was first developed by Rupert Sheldrake as a means of explaining the function and behavior of natural biological organisms. He believes they are comparable to quantum fields in many respects, as they share many of the same fundamental characteristics. He describes the morphic fields as being non-local, like a quantum field, where an effect is instantaneous and unaffected by distance. Morphic fields contain non-physical patterns of information that manifest effects in the physical state. This invisible field is considered to be casual because it interacts with observable matter, organizing their form, development, and function. Within the body, for example, each organ has a morphic field, as does each tissue, cell, organelle, or molecule. There are nested hierarchies of fields within fields. On a larger scale, ecosystems, solar systems, and even galaxies have fields. Sheldrake says that the morphic field is characterized by an inherent or natural vibration known as a resonant frequency that holds information about the system's potential form and behavior, which he describes as being analogous to genetic information. The information may actually be the memory of everything that has ever happened to a particular organism or entity, stored and communicated vibrationally. When the fields of two similar organisms interact with each other, the natural or resonant frequency of the one field induces the second field into vibrational motion until the two fields resonate with each other at the same frequency. This is known as morphic resonance. It is the mechanism by which Sheldrake believes information from one organism is stored and transmitted to the next, providing a possible explanation for inheritance. Thus, each organism's field attracts the system and the information or instructions inherent in that system with which it is associated towards its mature form and it arouses behavior in that system. Therefore, according to this theory as an example, he surmises that the morphic field of the tadpole would encode the physical form and instinctive behavior of the mature frog. Sheldrake explains that morphic resonance takes place on the basis of similarity, likely owning to comparable resonant frequencies 
that are associated with organisms of the same species or biological origins. He says that the tendency for an organism's field to resonate with a field containing information from its own past is the most probable, because it is the most similar to itself in the past, especially in the immediate past, than to any other organism. Information, however, is not only exchanged between a system and its field, similar fields by resonance also influence similar systems. Thus, according to the morphic field hypothesis, living organisms inherit not only genes, but also habits of development from past members of their own species. Okay, that was a little heavy, but anything quantum is. (laughs) Uh, I apologize if that was a little difficult to listen to, but it helps me make my point. Okay, so back to my own thoughts. To quickly reiterate, I do not see nor believe that entities like a god or a holy ghost are outside of us, insisting that we do what they want or what they influence us to do. The religion I grew up in has a favorite expression for this godly influence. They call it the still small voice insinuating it is something outside of you that you have to be willing to listen to because it's not loud. It's divine. It's kind of like a radio station that you have to be slowly turning the dial, listening out for, so that you know when you hear its tininess. I suggest that it's part of you. It's specifically yours, and even an energetic field that is wholly a part of your existence. Can it tell your future? Yeah, kinda. Can it dictate your choices? Yeah, it's you. I'm not suggesting there isn't a God, because this excessively complicated being that is you has not come about by happenstance. Who you are is a complicated, quantum, biological, and etheric creature that doesn't automatically understand its creation. Just as I can't ask my dog to tell me about herself, nor can we fully grasp or automatically get the details of our existence or the purpose of our life. In some ways, it's like we're asking the most complicated questions using the most simple words while hoping to have the most definitive answers. And that's just not possible. You are an individual composed of influence, frequency, energy, resonance, DNA, experience, and choice. It's like the only way to know who you are is to be interested in enrolling in the education of you. With first understanding, it's an investment of open-mindedness, excessive time, and your individuality. And if reincarnation is a thing, you also have to be willing to accept countless question marks in the compilation of your existence. So the next time you have a gut feeling about something, consider it's more than a feeling. It could be the core of who you are, creating that unignorable knowing to help you be you without regret, poor choices, or a lack of happiness. 
we see that gut feeling as something so small and possibly unimportant when what I'm thinking is that you do have to trust your gut because it's like trusting yourself as a whole, all the parts of you that make you you. And it almost goes without saying, nobody else is going to have a gut feeling for you. That's yours. Their gut feeling is theirs. 